0: Good morning. Uh, My name is Hollis Bruton, and it's a pleasure for me to be here today to share my thoughts with you. I grew up in a Presbyterian church and worshiped at this church until I was married. Michael, my husband, and I joined a Presbyterian church in North Raleigh. Wyatt, our son, our joy, was baptized, attended preschool, and went to Sunday school until the sixth grade there. I thought this would be our church for the rest of our lives. Wow. Did God have other plans for the Brutons? (laughs) There was a split in the church and we left what we thought was our church to begin a new non-denominational church. Lots of ups and downs occurred for about 12 years. One of the ups was Michael and I were youth group leaders and Wyatt was a worship leader in the youth group band. Wyatt attended and graduated from Carolina and then went to China as a Teach for China fellow for two years. When he returned from China, he told us he was gay. Our world was turned upside down in many ways. The most profound was our church was not affirming of the LGBTQ community. If Wyatt, who we loved unconditionally was not accepted at our church, then we could not and would not be members there. We prayed and began our church hopping down Falls of the Noose and Six Forks Road. (laughs) We finally, after visiting many churches, became members of a church and later found out the church would not accept Wyatt as a member since he was gay. During this time, Wyatt moved to New York City for his job, met the love of his life, Nick, and they married. Wyatt and Nick began church hopping in New York City to no avail. Wyatt's hope was to be a worship leader. Because he was gay, he was excluded. Wyatt began searching online for an inclusive church and found The River, New York City, a fully inclusive faith community discerning what it means to be followers of Christ. He is now a worship leader at the river and he and Nick can connect to God and others in an affirming Christian environment. So what about Michael and me? Wyatt encouraged us to go do an online search for an inclusive church. Open table appeared on our computer screen. A church where everyone is embraced and welcome to the communion table, dinner tables, and leadership tables. We were excited and began to imagine what it would look like to worship at a church where people were honest about their flaws, their fears, their doubts, and also about their hopes, their dreams, and what makes them come alive. A place where people could connect with one another without wearing the mask we wear to protect ourselves, where we see other hurting people and say, me too. A faith community that graciously holds space for all people, regardless of race, sexual orientation, age, or socioeconomic status. What would it look like to worship at a church that was LGBTQ affirming and was Determined to undo the damage done by the misuse of the scripture. What would it look like to worship at a church insistent that the world is in desperate need of a generous expression of the Christian faith, where the love and grace of God is allowed to freely flow and freely be received, where the radical concept of inclusion and welcoming everybody is revived? to not be radical at all, but actually lays at the foundation of the gospel. Our church where over and over again, we insist that you are a loved child of God, fully welcome in the family. Our imaginations ran wild at the possibilities. The possibilities became true at open table. We joined three years ago and are honored that when white and Nick are home, they worship with us and are accepted and loved by you just as Christ loves them unconditionally. They're here today. Open table is a testament to the truth that love wins. I end with this quote. People are not as beautiful as they look or as they talk. They are only as beautiful as they love, as they care, and as they share. People of Open Table, you are beautiful.
1: Thank you, Hollis. My name is Brian Keith, and I've been attending Open Table here uh, for about the last two years since February of 2019. Just after the United Methodist Church uh, special general conference that refused to change the book of discipline to say that we would accept LGBTQ people. And you would think it might be strange to come and start attending a United Methodist church after the larger discipline, or after the larger denominations said, we're not going to affirm you. But I found that it was important to find a place that was open and accepting, affirming, and not only that, but was actively and enthusiastically embracing, celebrating, and uh, celebrating the diversity of each of us, no matter who we are. And beyond that, working actively to change things and to be a true witness of Christ in the world. Let me tell you a little bit of my story. I came out later in life. I was nearly 40 years old when I came out. And for those of you who are astonished by my boyish good looks up here this morning, that was nearly 10 years ago. Um, But it wasn't that I—it took me that long to figure out that I wasn't straight. I'd known from the time that I was aware and understood attraction that I was attracted to men, but it took that long to fully accept and embrace that about myself. A combination of upbringing and world events conspired to keep me in the closet for a very long time. I grew up Catholic. And I grew up during the 80s and 90s, a time when there was another global pandemic raging, the AIDS crisis. And because of my Catholic upbringing, I felt like there was something wrong with me because I was attracted to men. And I had this fear that if I came out and I lived my life as a gay man, and I loved who I loved, that God was going to punish me and I would contract HIV and die of AIDS. And that's a horrible way to feel, and nobody should ever feel that way because of the church. I attended a a Jesuit Catholic college, and I can remember one winter one of our organizations sponsored a section of the AIDS quilt to come to campus. And I remember attending and walking around and seeing those panels, those tributes of, of love and devotion to the people who had been lost, and it deeply moved me. And I was greatly disturbed to hear some people on our campus and in our community who were unhappy about the fact that the AIDS quilt had been brought to a Catholic school. In fact, I remember hearing whispers of, of people saying, well, they got what they deserved for being gay anyway. So here I was, living in the closet for all of those years, and over the years, I had begged God. I had prayed, tried to pray the gay away. I had asked God to change me. I had, had tried to live. I was married. I had a son. I had... Tried, and I was just miserable. There's just, living in the closet is just a miserable place to be, let me tell you. In fact, by the time that I came out, I had been an ordained Assembly of God minister. I had prayed, I had fasted, I had had hands laid on me, I had begged God to change me. But let me tell you, God couldn't change something that didn't need to be changed. All right. This was simply how he had made me. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14 read, You created my, or you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You see, all of my praying, all of my asking, all of my begging God couldn't change me because God made me just the way that I am. God loved me. Just the way that I was. And God wasn't going to change me because God doesn't make any mistakes. Fast forward uh, about a year after I came out, I attended my very first Pride Parade in Austin, Texas. We parked at the head of the parade route in a parking garage, and as we walked out of that parking garage to walk down the parade route to find a spot to watch, the very first groups we encountered lining, lining up for that parade were our Reconciling United Methodist Churches from Austin. And I saw this large group of Methodists in their rainbow-colored T-shirts, each individual church wearing a different color of the rainbow, and they were holding signs that said things like, God loves you just the way you are. Love is love. And for the very first time, I almost broke down right there on the sidewalk in tears before the Pride Parade even started, because that was the very first time I had ever seen church people tell me I was okay the way that I was. So I want to pass on that blessing to you this morning. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you love. It doesn't matter the color of your skin or your gender identity or who you are. God made you just the way that you are. God made you perfect the way that you are, and he loves you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God's works are wonderful. I believe this. In fact, no, I don't just believe this. I know this. When God looks at you, God smiles, and he says, this is my child, and they are perfect. And I made them, and they are very good. Thank you.
2: Good morning, Open Table. For those that don't know me, my name is Madeline Smith Driver. And I came to Open Table about two years ago, right before the pandemic hit. And I felt loved when I walked in the door. Now, not only am I a lesbian, but I'm a black lesbian, and I'm married to my wife. Hello, somebody. Hello. We've been together 12 years, and we'll be celebrating our seventh year being married in October. Now, when I came to this church, I was broken. And I'm not going to get into the the negativeness, because let me tell you what God did for me. He said, okay, they broke your heart. You're too strong for that. Let's go somewhere else. Because I need to belong. See, for me, I need to be in church. I need to hear from God, and it's okay, I can pray at home and praise him at home, but I need to be in the fellowship. That's the word. I need to study to show thyself approved, but I know that God loves me no matter what. You know, and my my sister said to me, now I come from a big family, but I lost my parents at a young age. And when I came out, I said to my sister, I said, I love this woman. She said, does she treat you good? I said, yes, she does. Then I don't care about nothing else. <laughs> long as she treats you well. you know. And my wife loves me unconditionally, and that I know. 2018, I celebrated 25 years being drug and alcohol free, so I'm in recovery too. And that day, on July 5th, I had a stroke. And I didn't know I had a stroke. So my wife says to me, something's wrong. We need to go to the hospital. So we went to the hospital and they did an MRI. They said, yes, Madeline, you had a stroke in in your brain. And my fears all came back. Because here I am, who's gonna take care of me? Because first I'm just really feeling bad for myself. But let me tell you about the strength God gave me. He said, you better get up get back on your feet this stroke has not got you you got the stroke so on july 8th, that happened on august 22nd i had another stroke but this one i didn't know i was having either like god why me and he said why not you and i had a stroke in my eye and i'm blind in my left eye But all through that, my wife has never left my side. My wife is my rock. She is the one that tells me when I'm wrong. She don't take no mess from me. (laughs) You know, and I tried everything, and and then when I tried God, he worked it out. I tried God, and, and he put Willie in my life, and I'm so, so grateful. But Open Table allowed me to meet men and women in this church who, even though they don't know me, they know I'm the amen girl in that corner, (laughs) and and they ask me, people, excuse me, people come up and say, what is your name? Because I hear you over there. And that's because with all that I've been through, through my drug addiction, dereliction, everything, God has sustained me. And if God Delay is coming on July 5th of this year, I'll celebrate 28 years drug and alcohol free. And, and I, I don't share that for accolades, but I share that for the person that might be struggling with addiction, struggling with their sexuality. Don't matter what, you can do it. Because if I can do it, anybody can do it. Y'all pray for me.
3: Can you guys hear me? Good? Woo! All right, let's give her another round of applause. <laughs> Dang, I feel like dancing, honestly. Got so much energy going on. Um, yeah, so um, thank you, Hollis. Thank you, Brian. Um, thank you, Maddie, all of you so much for sharing that. Um, those are some very, very personal stories, and um, especially Hollis in particular, um, I don't know, it just, I could really feel it. I could really feel that coming from your soul, and just, thank you. I think you even brought some healing for myself and probably for others listening. Um, thank you, so, yeah, thank you. Um, Whoo! all right. <laughs> um, so essentially what I'm planning on speaking about today is um, it's actually just to focus on all of our humanity. Um, I know that this is actually, it's Pride Sunday. I do happen to be a you know, Caucasian male you know, gay man. Um, however, I ultimately see myself as human. Um, so that's basically kind of the focus of what I'm gonna be speaking about today. Um, to give a little bit of a context, um, I grew up in the small rural town of Kingsland, Georgia. Um, it's right at the border between Georgia and Florida. I was really raised truly off of the beaten path, um, where the trees reigned supreme, all manner of wildlife was present, and the level of noise from other humans was practically inaudible. I loved just being outside. Um, I was naturally a nurturer to the animals, um, to my own sister, who just needed some nurturing. However, once I grew up and my family moved into what is now considered, you know, suburbia, dynamics changed. Um, During that time frame, I came to realize that I was different. Not just because I was physically, mentally, and emotionally attracted to someone of the same gender, but because I also realized how little that encompassed the totality of me. Sex and sexuality were biologically interesting, but there seemed to be nothing else beneath that surface of pleasure, at least for me at that young age. It wasn't until some life events later on where I further understood the reasoning behind this. The year I turned 17 was one of the most contrasting of my life. The following events occurred in chronological order. In April, I was chased out of the house with various objects being thrown at me um, as I was trying to attempt my dad from stopping to punch my sister. In May, I graduated around the time of my birthday, and that same day, my dad said he was ready for me to die, how much he hated me, and then proceeded to pull a shotgun out and point it at my face. I looked down the barrel, and breath held tightly, and just said, please pull the trigger. I am done. I'm tired. Just end it now. However, that was not the case for that day, and that was not meant to happen. Instead, He just chose to beat me and chase me out of the house again. In August, my parents started the process of going through a divorce. During that time frame while we were all separated, my grandfather happened to pass away and I was the last person to see him as he passed away. In that moment, I realized that all that was there was pure God source energy, whatever you would happen to call it, and it was just beautiful. Then one week before Christmas, I received a call from my father who stated clearly, I have never loved you. I've only loved your sister, and I've always loved Sarah, my sister, more than you. I'm coming back to my family, which does not include you. That is my wife and my daughter, and you can choose to stay, but if you do, I will kill you within the first two weeks. He said, you only have two weeks to find a new place, this is my family." So, I went to my mom, and assuming that she was probably still going to be going through with the divorce, um, she just told me coldly, yes, Josh, I am going back to him. He is my husband, and I need to stand by him, for this is what God wants for our marriage. I am giving you this context because the majority of these things happened before I actually ever came out as a gay man. Commonly, people hear most of these events from members of the LGBTQ community and they, in my opinion, unfortunately assume that if you are abandoned by your family and you do happen to be gay, that that is the reason why you were abandoned. However, in my particular situation, it was just because I was a different version of human. Later on, I sought refuge um, within the LGBTQ plus community, and while there were some Good people at times, um, there were definitely times where it was difficult, where sometimes I was still too different to even be considered a traditional gay male. Sometimes I was called too effeminate or too straight acting. I don't know how you can be both. Um, <laughs> make up your mind. So, <laughs> um, some not engaging in enough one night stands or just not making myself available enough um, to those that saw me purely as an object ultimately i came to understand that that was further confirmation from the universe from god that no label whether it be a swimmer a gay man a nerd a lover not even a son was ever going to be good enough because ultimately it is not the label that others even our own parents prescribe upon us that defines the true god source energy within us it is the reality of what we are what we all are which is human, and we are made in the image of God, therefore, we all have that synchronicity a part of us. All right, to lighten it up. How many of you have watched the show Schitt's Creek? All right, everybody, for the most part, if you haven't, please check it out. This is not a plug, it is not endorsed, but please check it out, it's wonderful. (laughs) Um, And you're also cute. (laughs) (laughs) So. Um, for those of you that have watched, do you guys remember the, within the first season with David talking to Stevie and he was using the metaphor of the wine as his, you know, how do you define your sexuality? And he basically said, he's not interested in the label, he's just wanting to enjoy the wine. So, with that in mind, I would like to take that a step further and put it into a different context. We are all humans. Would you all agree? Yes. yes. Okay, some of us look differently, some of us look similar on the outside, but we all have a unique flavor within us and have all been bottled up by the ultimate maker, God. When we are sovereign and standing in our own acceptance of our own humanity, in our own humanness, we don't need a label of any kind. It's only when we are looking to be bought out, not literally, by another human who we perceive as potentially better than us, or that we need their validation, that we want to throw a label on us and say, yes, my flavor of wine is good enough for you. I'm vino, I'm rosé, I'm chardonnay, sachet. (laughs) (laughs) Yet wine, when interacting with other wine, doesn't care about the label. It ultimately is just wine and existing. And God, which is all around us, Who created us, who bottled the wine within us, doesn't care either. So what if we could all stop caring so much about the labels, no matter what they happen to be? What if we could follow David's quote and say, I don't care about the label, I just enjoy the wine? What if we could say to ourselves and to others, I don't care about the label, straight, transgender, worker, lover, pet walker, whatever it happens to be, mother, son, whatever context that that is, I don't care about the label, I don't care about any of those labels, I just care about and want to enjoy the human in front of me. So yes, while this may not seem like a traditional story from a a gay male human, it is my story of truth, and I am grateful after all these years to have been blessed with these experiences, is it still slightly painful at times to revisit? Yes. Are there those humans who have experienced far worse? abso However, would I wish these particular set of events upon the new, younger humans that are being born who are still growing up? No, I would not. All of this to say that this church, Open Table, feels very different and feels much more like a community on the leading edge Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Open table has been very welcoming since I arrived. It has been very refreshing to hear other stories and to see diverse humans expressing joy and to have witnessed a leader like Jason, whose messages of liberation that could be applied to all humans, regardless of the label, was actually very inspiring and very refreshing for me to come across. In closing, you may wonder how I even came here. Be at open table. <laughs> it was actually quite organically. I happened to meet a gentleman via an app, ChristianSingles.com. Just kidding. <laughs> no shade if that's what you use, but hey. <laughs> Anyways, we met in person shortly thereafter, and I wanted him to feel comfortable, so asked if he wanted to bring his dog to the park prior before the traditional first date dinner. I did not know he had been crying literally right before our first date, but there was a gentleness and a light in him that was so beautiful and still is to this day. The entire evening was one of the most magical, as looking into his eyes was like looking into the eyes of my own, of the fact that we have our own God energy within us. I had never been looked at in that way, nor felt such a precious energy as it was and still is being with him. And as cliche as it may sound, the life and love between us deepens and expands and evolves each and every day. Yes, scientifically speaking, we are two men together, but we both primarily see ourselves as human, believing all are worthy, all are good enough, and all are deserving and have the right to their own sovereignty and to be loved. This human I speak of is so much more than just a gift to me. He is also the reason why I'm speaking here today, as he encouraged me to do so. Through meeting his family, his friends in this community, I can tell he truly is a gift to all he interacts with. He is a lighthouse in a sea of flickering candles, sometimes worn down, as we all are, from the crashing waves of life, but never losing that inner light that has guided him and so many others back home to where they feel loved, safe, and at home." His name is Michael Wilson, and he's sitting right over there. Um, He will actually be playing for you shortly (laughs) during communion. And I love him um, very deeply. For all, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. For all he has been, all he may become, but most importantly, for who he is now. You are perfect. You are valued. You are the most beautiful reflection of God that I've ever met. And As Patrick would say to David in Schitt's Creek, you're simply the best, better than all the rest. (laughs) May we all find the love within us to see ourselves and other humans the same way, slowly as we continue on our own path, no matter where we are, more and more, day by day, moment to moment. Thank you all for being here today. I really appreciate it, as does everyone here that spoke today. Um, let's just go ahead and give everyone another round of applause, please. <laughs> yes. And um, so before Eric and Susan come up, I was going to lead us um, into prayer. I will be honest, I have not done this in a very, very long time. <laughs> um, so. Let's go ahead first, if we could all just please go ahead and uh, close our eyes, both here and online. Um, Go ahead and take a quick, really deep breath in through the nose. Hold for one, two, three, breathe out. One more time, breathe in. Hold for one, two, three, and release. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just the abundance of beautiful energy that you have brought into this space today here at Open Table. This place truly is a light and a beacon and a safe place for others to really be able to come home and to further expand within these walls. I want to extend gratitude for just all of the just truly wonderful and incredible people that have showed up here today. And may we all continue to revel and grow in Christ consciousness now, in the future, in moment to moment, not judging ourselves, not looking at the labels, but instead just realizing how beautiful the humans that you have just created here on this planet truly are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.